Okay, so someone's asking about accepting my own aging. Grey hair growing on the head. Well, it's it's intellectually obvious. That's what happens. Uh, emotionally, it can be difficult uh, if you identify with with the state of the body. <laughs> like it's my head. Do you, when you see other people with grey hair, does it disturb you? So you look around the the room. It seems there's quite a few people with grey hair who seem to be just as steady as everybody else. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, it's the nature of the body. It's not a self. It's not a person. So when you see that, it uh, and there are occasions in the suttas where somebody, some king or great minister or somebody sees the first grey hair on the head and they immediately say okay that's it give it all up go forth into homelessness (laughs) it's called one of the the heavenly messengers suddenly all this the joy of life the joy of youth kind of excitement passion vigor of youth suddenly seems a bit like it's past the the carnival's over and it's time to get serious. So one wisely takes the sign of, of grey hair <laughs> and reflects upon it. It probably is an indication it's time to get uh, uh, serious about or to about the state of this inner world because the outer world is dying. So this is why the Buddha went forth to realize the deathness. It's not found in the hairs of your head. Absolutely not. So he says, let go of that. Turn to this. First there's a question about emptiness. Where this too is empty, just the concept. Well, you know, Buddhism is a very long tradition of with different schools and lineages and teachings in it. And uh, so this very term emptiness is is held differently, refer to different experiences according to different traditions. If you go back to the early, earliest teachings that we can find, uh, the term emptiness meant two things, well, several things. One, it's, it's not much good. <laughs> so... Someone is empty of virtue, they're, they're barren, empty of virtue. That's the other, yeah, so it's that. Um, there's also it's empty of self. The characteristic of self does not arise here. And so, um, sunyata, anatta, sunyata. Uh, it doesn't mean there's nothing there, it just means the characteristic of self does not, is not there. So, for example, as we're surveying, well, my suggestion, the mind or the karmic field of mind, the contents of mind, 
is that and really you know it's empty of self you can't find a person in that an entity in that it just, it just says or you, one infers itself but it isn't it's just this that emptiness of self is then very helpful to, to tune into because it allows us to witness the world of cause and effect the mind of dispassion and clarity mm. and it's a particular process meditation you know, the Buddha talked people through it's called the Sunyata Suttas in the Middle Late Sayings and if you're interested in that just look into the Middle Late Sayings for the Maha Sunyata and Chula Sunyata Suttas I've got the names but it's pretty easy to find and the, the process of emptiness as a, as a practice is to see this is there so sitting in this room this room is empty of elephants yeah notice that what isn't there okay right ah that lack of elephants is quite peaceful because elephants are big noisy creatures that's good right now you know so then it says look into this again this this room is actually you know there's walls there's flowers there's glass and things like that what's not here is um, a room (laughs) the room is an idea that we create actually what's here is some visual perspectives you you can think there's a room here but actually as you see on this zoom screen you see lots of rooms that's just the visual description of certain colors so there's no room here it's just visual perceptions arising okay so gradually through that beginning to withdraw from the mental interpretations of experience right. i'm in rome i'm chittis monastery it's wednesday morning the sun's shining da, da, da. wait a minute stop what's that at sights, memories, perceptions, impressions. And that's a mental addition. Withdraw from that mental activity, just quiet that mental activity, because you don't need to make that mental activity. It's what's left? Awareness and perceptions. So this is a way in which you empty this density of mind that we carry around tomorrow my uncle's birthday so-and-so's got um, a disease you know, this you know we lost the world cup We've got to do this now you know it's got an incredible density that we carry around even though we can't do anything much about it but what's actually here is awareness, perceptions, feelings, inclinations. And you look at it like that, how many of those do you want to keep going? Do you want to keep putting energy into? If you put energy into awareness, those mental activities begin to calm down, 
the mind becomes empty, quiet, open. That's the practice of emptying. Someone placed the question, based on what has been explained, can I say taking a stance is not sankara, it is from a place of alignment, dispassionate clarity. Finding that um, axis, I would say, or returning to the axis is, is the alignment, it's a withdrawal from creation and proliferation, and interpretation and confusion. So that's definitely a very important step to make before we can really bring forth clear responses. We have to get clear who's doing the response. who's doing the response is me wanting it to be this way and feeling pro- problem like that and feeling upset about that and wanting this and hoping it's like that all that stuff is just adding more turbulence to what's already turbulent and sometimes it's, the intentions may be good but the energy is still turbulent so that we draw to that place of no turbulence and then we view this is dukkha. What is the response? Tanha, craving, is not going to make it any better. Cultivate equanimity, cultivate clarity, cultivate truthfulness. Learn through that what to put aside, what to give energy to. This is a life practice. How do you deal with conflict in a mindful way? I personally feel aversion to conflict. Indeed, this avoidance technique does me no good. I like to find balance in this type of situation without getting dragged into them. Well, if this is conflict in terms of conflict with one's self, I want to do this, but I feel drawn towards that. I feel this is right, but I'm interested in that. You have to find this place of, of non-alignment, not taking sides one way or another. Okay, how is it? And the more you find that sense of it's like this, the alignment, the clarity, and just steady in it, deepen in it, you'll find out that one of those two, you know, you have choices that you're in conflict with, one of those will begin to fade out. It's like this is surface, but it doesn't go that deep. You know, maybe, you know, I really like this person, but I don't like the way she does this. You know? I really like this person, but at the same time, I really don't like the way she is very untidy. Okay, that's true. And you're upset about it. That's true. So there's me feeling upset, her actions and my warm feeling towards it. So stay with that. It's like this. This is the conflict. What am I supposed to do? Stay with that. Eventually the, the desperation to get a result, all that begins to stop. <laughs> Maybe there isn't a result. Maybe there's no way out of this. 
then perhaps the from that one feels more uh, equanimous to how she behaves, or how I, you know, or one sees that one's own shortcomings more clearly. So it is possible to then, you know, find a proper alignment. And it's pretty much internal conflict, external conflict, it's pretty much the same. It's often that we don't like it. You have to be, you have to be crazy to like conflict. Um, and so often it's who's right and who's wrong. Let's get this sorted out. Who's right and who's wrong? Right? Let's face up to it. You're wrong. <laughs> and I'm right. Because if I... I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was right. I wouldn't do it. Would I? <laughs> so it must be you all wrong. <laughs> Another person feels the same way. <laughs> so they're right, and I'm right <laughs> from my position, and he's right from his position. And that's not that's not going to go very far, is it? If <laughs> we come into the alignment, we both have positions. <laughs> We both have positions, and uh -huh. then maybe where is the place where there are no positions, no, 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 you know, where there are no positions is there's conflict now, and we don't like it, but here it is. It's like this now. It's this. So maybe take a breath, feel a sense of regret. It's conflict. Like it, get a sense of, oh, you know, concern. Hope you're not suffering or in pain. Mm -hmm. Through that expression of concern, and maybe this begins to take the intensity out of the out of the conflict. But really, who's right and who's wrong is no way to resolve conflict. Absolutely not. That's the way to intensify it. Yeah. To share the sense of the discomfort of conflict. This is where we meet. We both agree on that. We sit with that for a while, and then maybe, well, you know, I don't really mind. You know, just as long as we can kind of understand each other. That's all. So, and that's the main thing. And recognise that we both. Have positions, any position is a condition, any position is constructed, any position is unsatisfactory. And all positions are not self. If we take a stand on a position, making it ourself, conflict, pain, suffering. So keep that alignment to just a simple as simple and direct a truth as possible. Not right and wrong, should be, could be, but just pain, dukkha, suffering. It's like this, and I don't like it. How's that for you? Same. And you get a sense of compassion. And the things begin to, you know, longer. We're on the same place then, we're on the same page, we're on the same territory. There's no, no, you know, we're meeting at that place of compassion.
Next question, can our practice become a self-centered act? As we wish to do more retreats, but sometimes it seems to interfere with family life. Is it also a form of craving? Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, yeah. I think these, there's craving, you know, there's wit, there's aspiration and motivation for realization. Motivation for realization, motivation for truth, motivation. That's um, that's skillful, that's helpful. If we didn't have any motivation, there'd be no energy in our practice. There's motivation for it. You know, for that factor. Chanda. You know, or desire. It's a skillful desire. But it can also get tinted with a certain amount of craving. So there's two kinds of desire. Tanha is the craving to have and get. And Chanda is the motivation to do. And they kind of, sometimes they get mixed up. Because I would, I really want to have some peace of mind. It seems quite a noble aspiration because I could put the work in to do it. It's not that easy. <laughs> you know, I'm prepared to, to put in the work. So it's not just this blind grasping okay that's where we're staying and can that quality of chanda motivation for peace understanding elimination of corruptions and defilements and self can that motivation this is the enormous question how does this transfer into the surface? This is a depth experience, right? This is a depth experience. This is not about groceries and gardening and birthday cards and looking after my niece. This is a depth topic. You know, I mean, these things can be depth too, maybe. But it's really a transpersonal depth topic. How does any of that translate into a surface world, which is... Today's Thursday, and cousin Susan's having this, that, and the other. And, you know, and people want to come round and have a chat, you know, because it's been years since we met, and I want to be on retreat. How does that translate into surface realities? Well, this is your practice, and uh, <laughs> I could say me too. <laughs> I would have to get dragged into these sangha issues and sangha duties and going to do this and do that and why can't I just be left to practice on a retreat I haven't had a retreat for myself in ages I'm always teaching everybody else setting up Zoom this now there then they ask me to go and then somebody comes and wants this and then they get an email from some monk who wants this now and the other why don't they leave me alone I can practice (laughs) Ajahn I think you need to calm down (laughs) it's like this now It's like this now. <laughs> Try to find that. <laughs> Use your retreat practice to build up and strengthen that that central understanding. And then the challenge we have to kind of try to relate to this complicated, multifaceted world as it hits us, maintaining that kind of that kind of that 
place because that place if you like that place of alignment that's not that's not itself not a retreat but we often need to go on a retreat to find it and surely our you know it's beautiful if you can even find that even for a little while on retreat you need to get that there and then then you're going to try to sustain that clarity dispassion compassion wisdom in your daily life this is the enormous question all of us face and sometimes that means you know it's not about i don't really mind it's all fine whatever you want no that's not quite right if you you're in a family there's got to be a relationship that means your voice has to be heard his voice has to be heard her voice has to be heard we hear this and it's not like somebody says, oh i don't care i'll give up no no where do we understand each other you have a deep need you have a deep interest in realization you want to do this it doesn't bother me i like to just want to play golf and do something else you know and it'd be nice if i got some bit of company <laughs> to do that with and trying to say yeah you know the quality of love and affection and connection is there can i express that to you while remaining in this clarity because if i can be clear in myself which is i should be a rather better person <laughs> and you'll like me better than if i'm stressed out <laughs> this is for your welfare you don't won't like if i'm stressed out i'm not very nice to be with <laughs> i assure you so this is for everybody's welfare can we understand this you've got to kind of talk it through in some way or another with family situations <laughs> of course then the next question is how do you maintain this in daily life <laughs> well this is deep deep wisdom practice it means that in that um, experience of realization it's, it's of course it's quiet and peaceful but look around at what you experience the world as i mean your world your world of memories and thoughts and interests and wishes and conflicts contemplate it this this is where the wisdom teaching the aggregates you know these are sometimes difficult terms to get to terms with actually they are very accurate presentations of the buddha this is a perception this is a meaning this is an impulse this is a feeling it's a state of consciousness you know it's a sensation these are what are they when you look at all that they are just waves shifting waves there's no substance in them and that truth pertains when you come to the surface that truth pertains it's exactly the same but of course it's very much masked with colors and shapes and sounds and oh that's her that's i really like that and everybody wants to do that it's very it's very veiled but if you see it as it is as i said see the world as empty of self then the lord of death will not get you mm. Mm. 
So we have to be very patient, recognizing that we do get involved and that's part of the learning process. We do get hurt, that's part of the learning process. Is that? Keep your balance. See these forms, these perceptions, these impressions that arise. You're, everybody's doing this, why don't you do it? Mm-hmm. That's a perception. I really feel I've got to do this, I've got to get this done by nine o'clock. That's a sankara. That's an energy. Feel the energy and don't buy into it. Doesn't mean you can't do anything, it means you get that take that edgy, urgent quality out of it. Okay? What is a nine o'clock anyway? What's a nine o'clock? Has anybody seen a nine o'clock walking around? I don't see them. That's called a perception. And you're you're trying to arrive at something called a nine o'clock, are you? Where is it? All you can say is now it's like this. I understand there's a you know something be good to do. I'll do what I can. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, four o'clock, these are just ideas. What time is it for you now? <laughs> you know, once you get to this Zoom reality, I'm in nine o'clock, they're in six o'clock, somebody's in two o'clock. <laughs> Perceptions, aren't they? Yeah. So we start to really, you know, step back from the very language of you know, the ordinary world, the language of it. What are you talking about? And somebody says, oh, this is, this is good for Britain. What are you talking about? What's Britain anyway? What's Britain? What you fight over it. And what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't see any Britain. I see some trees. I see some sky, some weather. I don't see any Britain. And then people come out with this kind of stuff. What does that word do? It creates a kind of, we're here and they're there. Conflict, stress. Best to say we live on a planet with air and climate. So the lay language of the world, you begin to see with a sense of dispassion, clarity. You know, you want to follow that language. Then you begin to learn that directly. It's a long learning. But that's that's why it takes it's it's many years of practice to integrate that wisdom into how you're living. Someone experiences uh, they love animals, but they accidentally drove over and killed many birds, dogs, duck, chicken, and snake. What should I do to pay back my karma? Will they get my merit if I send metta after my meditation? Yeah, well. In order to, <laughs> you know, transfer merit, the other person has to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can pull it out, but it doesn't land unless it, the other beings are around who can receive it. So whether a snake is going to benefit from it, I don't know. It might be a wise snake. Um, but essentially, if you've accidentally killed creatures, then that 
uh, means there's no evil intention. So intention is karma. It's the intention to cure that's the karma. Mm-hmm. The intention, that mental hostility, callousness, violence, dismissiveness, that is, that's the thing that's, that there's the karma. That's the thing that impresses itself in the heart. Yeah. Now, if we do things accidentally, then it's not like that. But at the same time, we should we probably consider, yeah, but I don't feel very good about that. Well, then perhaps we need to drive more carefully so we don't have that sense of regret. Someone's been struggling to wake up in the morning to meditate, sleepy while sitting, didn't feel like I want to stand or walk, sometimes even go back to sleep. <laughs> How to be more disciplined, have the right action and effort. Well, I think you have to realise that uh, what you're saying means you experience a sense of regret. Uh, I struggled to wake up in the morning to meditate, sleepy, didn't feel like I wanted to stand or walk sometimes go back to sleep, somehow you feel that's not right. So when you get that feeling that's not right, it's not good, well maybe, hmm. do you want to have that feeling again every day? The feeling of, you know, that you're lazy or maybe that feeling itself says, come on, come on, make a little bit more effort. A lot of us don't like getting up in the morning, waking up. But come on, you're going to get up, you're going to wake up sooner or later, it's going to happen. (laughs) So let's do that with a sense of mindfulness is a body, mind doesn't feel very good, feel a bit tired and sleepy. Okay, at least I'll try. Okay, because I'm going to get up sooner or later. I'll sooner get up with a sense of mindfulness of the situation then maybe just wash my face take a walk freshen up how's that you don't have to force yourself to meditate but maybe just that sense of you know coming out of that rather heavy um, disorganized state that already gives you a feeling of some dignity and self-respect and maybe i'll just walk up and down a little bit uh, maybe chant something. Perhaps that's all I'm. That's all I've got energy for today. Okay, but then you've made that decision from a wise, conscious place, rather than just a reaction to, to dullness, sleepiness. So if you make the decision from a wise, conscious place, then that's your decision. But you don't want to make it from just a kind of negative reaction, right? How to work the desire for solitude and fear of being forgotten or fear of loneliness, isolation. Yeah, how do we manage, you know, to the sense of isolation and solitude uh, and loneliness, you know, which is one aspect of being alone. But then the other aspect of it is you get a chance to have this undisturbed solitude. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think this is really... Uh, where we see the need to have a, a loving heart, even in solitude, that, you know, you, those who are dear to you, those you respect, you carry them 
in your heart, like, like that. Because in, eventually, at some level of our multifaceted reality, we are alone. If I, you know, if I drop a hammer on my toe, I'm the one who feels it. The person standing one foot away from me, they may sympathise with me. They didn't, but they didn't get that physical feeling. I did. <laughs> so on this surface level, we are separate, you know, and I can't get inside somebody else's head or heart and change it. There is that. That's the limitation of this. That's why the world is sometimes sad. One feels helpless in it to to really help each other. But you know, if you use the solitude to generate you know, rock solid compassion, then you're using the solitude skillfully. And what is loneliness? Who are the you know that that feeling of not getting that sort of cheerful, interesting, mingling experience that most of us have missed this last year or so. It's just a sense of, hi, how are you doing? You know, let's have a chat and suddenly not be able to do that. It's a kind of, that's, that's chilling. That's chilling, isn't it? The chilling effect. We have to put more attitude towards, you know, loving kindness bringing people to mind. You know, it's loneliness when there's a closure. And naturally, if there's conflict or we, that mind closes, that closure has a cold, hard effect. And you, you experience loneliness in the middle of a crowd of people. You know, some of the loneliest people live in cities. It's not there's nobody around, it's just there's closure. You know, you hear of people who, who die in London in a flat and the person next door doesn't know who they are. Nobody knows them. They've lived alone. No, Nobody's visited, nobody knows. They live in their box. And then one day somebody finds out they're dead. Who is he? I don't know. Does he relatives? We don't know. We don't know anything about him. You know, people can be lonely in the middle of other people because there's closure. Now, when there's openness, there may be the sense of, oh, I wonder how so and so is, or it'd be nice to meet so and so. But that sense of, you know, sorrow, we try to practice with that, with metta. Karuna Mudito Pega, sending the blessings, you know, bringing them to mind, so we don't have that closure that is um, one of the signs of the surface world, of the sensory world. It has that sign, you know, suddenly she's dead. Oh my goodness, you know, closed on that level. This is why we share merit and chanting devotions to keep the field very open.
mother has a long-term issue, always complains about everyone. Getting worse when she gets older. Enjoys talking in a harmless, jealous and disruptive way. Lies. Seems to be 99% of her personality traits. It's hard to me to maintain my calmness. How can I dislike her less? <laughs> well, yeah. You should, um, well, you should, but just uh, remember, you can move away from your mother. Your mother can't move away from herself. What kind of mind, what kind of heart is happening there to that person? You, know, you, can, you can walk out the door go somewhere else. She can't leave herself. She's in that. What kind of mind state, what kind of mental attitudes are bringing those conditions of jealousy or complaining to mind? Is she suffering? Sounds like it. Is she getting to realise the truth of it? Doesn't sound like it. Is she managing to you know, get out of pain? I don't think so. Shouldn't you regard them with compassion? Mm. So it's not calmness that's required. It's understanding and wisdom. Calm. Calm is not that important. It's not as important as wisdom. Wisdom, seeing things as they are, brings compassion. Calm doesn't bring compassion necessarily it's just a nice quality that helps support it wisdom is the important thing seeing things as they are that's not a mother that's a karmic field in its unhappiness and tumult that you're witnessing regard it with mind of compassion And of course, look after yourself. It's very stressful for you. You have to find a way to... That's enough now. No point be getting more stirred up. That's enough now. Most relationships, all relationships with other people, need some space. Some space. And sometimes people don't really know. They want to get close, 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 close. No. Some space is needed. Otherwise we get all meshed up with each other and then tangled and stuff gets very unpleasant. Some space is needed. Sometimes a lot of space is needed. <laughs> yeah. You need some space and sometimes you need quite a lot of space just to say, okay, that's her, that space, I've got room, I'm not pressed against the wall, you know, okay, let her be the way she is. I, it's got to withdraw to where I can find my own balance. Yeah. That's compassionate because if I get involved, I start getting nasty to her, angry or upset or feeling fed up, depressed, that's no good. Get to a place where, okay, that particular amount of connection, amount of involvement, amount of engagement, amount of conversation, that's, that, that is manageable. And keep that pleasant and caring. I can manage that. <laughs> and that's up for you to negotiate that degree of, of uh, 
space in the relationship. It is the most important thing. If you get the right space, you're bound to have affection and compassion and clarity. It happens naturally. If you don't get the right space, it's a mess up. (laughs) That's how it is, in my opinion. That's what I say, but find out what works for you. Okay, let's uh, take a pause now and uh, hope some of this has been stimulating in the right way. As I said, I don't really find answers. I find responses that may help you to find your answers. And if if that's landed in a good place, I feel very happy. If it hasn't landed in a good place, ask for your compassion and tolerance. Um, I have my limitations. (laughs) Take good care.